Thanks for tuning in to the Spiritual AF Life podcast. You'll find all the links to resources and more in the show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on the incredible episodes that are coming up. So if you read the title of this episode, you might be wondering, WTF does this have to do with being spiritual AF? Well, I'm happy that you asked because we are going to be diving deep here in just a second and I will answer all of those questions, but I'm super happy that you are here um, to also tell you that there are some cool things on the horizon and some big changes that are happening and I want to make sure that you get my emails so that you are in the know and then you don't miss out on any of the goodness and so I am going to put a link in the show notes where you can sign up for one of my free guides that will actually add you to the email list. Now if you don't want that guide, um, no big deal. You can go ahead and just reach out to me at heatherdaniellemedium at gmail.com with a good email address for you and I will add you so that you can be in the know because I'm telling you, you are going to want to know about these things. Okay. 1000%. All right. So now let's get into it right now, which is the stories of the celebrity life lessons that can help us in our daily life. Now, you might have heard other celebrity life lessons before where it's like these rag to riches stories and those kinds of things. That's not what we're going to be talking about today. Not for the most part. We're going to be talking about their life, okay? Like, and how you can see life lessons happening before them. And you're going to be able to see that the weakest part of themselves or the part of them that they've had the most challenging parts you know time with those are the things that they really needed to go through and really heal from in order to be successful or order to you know jump that hurdle though so to speak so this is something that we talked about before where you can see what people are dealing with in their daily life just by seeing the different kinds of challenges that they are undergoing on a daily or weekly basis you can actually see, oh yeah, this is this happening to them or that happening. They're going through this lesson. They're going through that lesson. And we're going to be going over a lot of those lessons, including, I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek, you know, lessons on manifesting your dreams, your inner power, not giving up, feeling beautiful, uh, stories of hap everything happens for a reason, stories of sharing your pain, you know, surrendering, of not giving up, of getting outside your comfort zone, on your money mindset, on perfect timing and also proving that you can do it. Owning who you are, finding your life purpose is another one that we're going to be talking about. And so you can see these with your daily life and people in your daily life. But the thing is, sometimes it can be really difficult to see those life lessons because we're in the middle of it. So that's the reason why that I felt like giving a broader view of celebrities and things like that could help us out a little bit more because we can see like, oh my gosh, this is what they're going through. That's kind of nuts, especially because we hold them in such high regard because we think that they're all rich and they're beautiful and they're successful and all these things that maybe they're not dealing a lot with the life lessons like we are, but they truly are. And that's the reason why that I wanted to bring it up to you and you could actually see it unfolding. A little bit disclaimer, I don't know these celebrities personally. Okay. So all I can do is bring forth accurate information 
from the books that I've read that they have written and from podcasts they've been on and also internet searches. So this is as accurate as I can make it be without talking to them personally. And I have to tell you though, my little thing that I love to do is I love reading celebrity memoirs. So a lot of this information does come to you, you know, through me, through their um, memoirs, through their books and things like that. I have no idea why, but I absolutely love to do it. I even read books on celebrities that don't even know who they are. So that's just kind of a little quick little thing. But if you're ready, I am ready for you as well. And I'm going to start off with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the reason why is because he has this series on Netflix that maybe you should turn into. And I think it's called Arnold. And the very first episode is the only one that I've watched, but it is about how he got into bodybuilding. And Arnold Schwarzenegger teaches us the story of manifesting your dreams. So if you watch this episode, um, the very first one, you will see that he wanted to be a bodybuilder. And he just really, really wanted it. And so what he did was he put up pictures of, you know, bodybuilders all up in his bedroom and he looked at them and he just became so incredibly dedicated. Like he created a vision board. He was like visualizing his success. He was like, I want to do this. Nothing is going to stop me. And so he did basically what you need to do when you manifest something is that he had it right there in front of his mind all the time that he really wanted to do this. And then he took inspired action. And so that's the second part that a lot of people forget about. You can't just put a vision board up there. You have to also take inspired action. And that's what he did. What can he do to be able to become his bodybuilder? What can he do to have a physique like that, to win all these championships, all these kinds of things? Like, what can he do? And then he just kept on taking that inspired action. And he also did not take no for an answer. And he didn't have any kind of excuses as well. So he was in military boot camp. And he took off to go ahead and enter this bodybuilding competition, which is so crazy because I like you would not be able to do that here in America. You know, this was all over in Austria where he was from. But it was so nuts. He took every single opportunity and got the experience and everything else that he needed to do in order to, you know, get familiar and to really, you know, drown himself, so to speak, inside of the bodybuilding culture. So with this, he just kept on doing and kept on doing and kept on going. And he had an idol. I forgot who he was. But then one day he's on stage with his idol and he actually beat his idol. He went on to, you know, win Mr. Olympia like more times than anyone else in history. And he just kept on going. And here's another thing, too, is that people did not like what he was doing. And even his parents didn't like it. Nobody really liked what he was doing, but he honored himself. And he was like, no, this is what I I truly want. So that's another lesson as well. But I just loved how he just took it to extreme in, in a way, not too extreme, but he was thinking about it, bodybuilding all the time and dreaming about it and thinking about it and putting it right there by his bed at night. That's the thing is like we have phones Okay, phones with tons of pictures on them. We can put whatever we want as the backdrop on our phone, you know, reminding us. We can put reminders on our cell phones to think about what we want to remind ourselves that this is what we truly want and we really need to go for it because it can become a reality, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then he just goes on in the different series for other little parts of his life that he was like, Yeah, I kind of dominated that world. Now I want to go on and see different parts of himself. You are not just a one trick pony, you are not meant to be just 
in one area in this life. You're meant to cross over to many different areas that you love, that provide you happiness, that make you feel good. All right, so if you've already dominated it, maybe this is the time for you to try something else, to try a different part of you. All right, so I hope that Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, story has helped you out. Now we're moving on to the reason for this podcast episode. I will be honest with you. This is the reason why that I decided to this podcast episode, and that is because of Britney Spears. And after reading her new memoir, A Woman in Me, I felt like it was a very good book, and I'm going to link it in the show notes. So just in case that you want to read it as well. But the biggest takeaway from her and this book and her life so far is the fact of standing up for yourself, believing in yourself. And you would think that Britney Spears has confidence and self-esteem and she can tell it like it is and she's so successful and she has money and things like that. You know, there's no way that she could suffer from any lack of confidence, but she did. And that is crazy. Um, and that is a reason why that she was in her conservatorship for so long. And it was because she had problems standing up for herself. And I'm just going to go right into it. In part of the book, she talks about near the end of her conservatorship that she is like in rehab against her will because they found, you know, caffeine pills or caffeine drinks in her purse and that kind of thing. And she is just feeling like lost. She is like, nobody is, you know, thinking about me. Nobody, you know, comes to visit me and things like that. And that's when... She looked over the shoulder of one of the nurses there. I think the nurse like, allowed her to look. And there was a talk show uh, going on, and it had free Britney shirts on it. And she was like, oh, my God, my fans know that there's something up with me. They know that I'm not myself. They know that something is wrong. Even though she hasn't talked to all of her millions and millions of fans, they know that something is wrong. And that meant a lot to her. And she was like, wow, that's so crazy that almost like her fans are standing up for herself, but she wasn't standing up for herself. And. And so finally, it was that set the ball in motion to where it was either weeks or maybe a couple months later, she finally got a hold of the authorities and she said that she wanted to press charges or whatever, or at least report conservatorship abuse. That was after freaking 13 years. After 13 years, she finally found her voice. Now, whether or not you believe she should have had it or not and blah, 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 that's a totally different story, okay? What we're talking about now is that she was in a conservatorship that she didn't want to be in for 13 years. And then what does she do when she finally stands up for herself? I believe it was probably less than one or two years or something like that. Very, very short period of time. Um, and then it was dissolved. Like all she had to do was make this choice that she was going to stand up for herself, that she was going to allow her voice to be heard. And then guess what? That challenge in her life went away. It was something that she had to overcome, if that makes sense. Like I have a friend right now who drives me freaking batshit crazy in a way because she has a clear problem with sta not standing up for herself. She needs to speak her truth and speak up her voice to some of these people in her life that treat her like crap. And I'm like, oh my God, if I could possess you and just be you for freaking even five freaking minutes, it would be life changing. But she can't do it. It's her thing to overcome. She's the one that has to get her confidence in herself to be able to you know, stand up for herself, speak her truth and those kinds of things. And then the challenge will resolve itself. So the exact same thing is happening with Britney Spears right now is that, well, she kind of got over it a little bit, but anyways, she stood up for herself and then the thing went away. 
Okay. So it's kind of crazy. And she has a lot of really cool life lessons in there that you could actually, um, you know, read and follow along through. But that was one of the biggest ones. And I just have to say that is really, really cool for all of her fans that were part of the Free Britney movement, because they really helped her. And that goes to show you as much as we want to allow other people to learn their own life lessons, and we don't want to play God and things like that. Sometimes sharing your truth or going ahead and standing up for somebody is a a lot especially when that person can't stand up for themselves and they also might seem like Britney Spears like completely capable of standing up for themselves but they don't then they're not because maybe we don't know what's going on inside of their head that we don't understand everything that they're going through even mentally just because someone is one way on the outside does not mean it's the same way on the inside so Kudos to Brittany for finally standing up for herself and finding her inner power and sharing those words with us so that we can be inspired by it as well. And that maybe it won't take us 13 years to stand up for ourselves. All right, the next one is going to be J.K. Rowling. And now the thing is with her, you might have heard that she was like broke and she couldn't afford food. And, you know, she wrote, you know, Harry Potter at a laundromat and things like that. She barely had enough money to feed her kids and that kind of thing. But that's not really what I am going for right now with the story of believing in yourself, which is what she teaches us. It's really about her confidence as well. So she didn't have any confidence. She lacked self-esteem. She didn't really think, like, even though she loved Harry Potter and stuff like that, she was also scared of ridicule. She was scared of what people would think of her. She was just kind of like, okay, I'm putting it out there. It's almost like being scared and doing it anyways is what J.K. Rowling really taught us. And another thing, too, is that she didn't take excuses you know she didn't make excuses and so when she was writing the Harry Potter novel and then trying to send it out to publishers and maybe to see if anybody was interested in it it was 90,000 words okay and so she couldn't afford to make copies of these and send it to different publishers so guess what she had to type out every single version of it to publishers so she was rejected dozens of times so that means that she wrote harry potter by hand probably dozen or more than a couple dozens of times can you imagine that typing out a 93rd word novel 90,000 sorry 90,000 word novel i can't even imagine it and she was rejected by dozens and dozens of publishers until one of them gave her a, uh, a second chance because the ceo's daughter fell in love with it if is that not a freaking crazy story? So don't make excuses up. If you believe in something enough, just keep on pushing through it. And even though that you don't feel like you're good enough and that you lack self-esteem in one other thing or other area and that kind of stuff, just know that's your ego talking. That is your ego talking and your ego's job is to keep you safe. So inside your comfort zone will keep you safe. All right, now we're moving on to one of my favorite, favorite people, on earth probably i'm gonna say favorite celebrity but i wish that i was his friend and that is kevin hart i love me some kevin hart do you love kevin hart all right so kevin i've read um all of his books probably he has several of them and i definitely encourage you to get the audio version because he's just funny af so 
anyways, he's teaching us a story of not giving up and then being yourself. Now, if somebody had a reason to think that they wouldn't be like this hot movie star and those kinds of things, it could be Kevin Hart because Kevin Hart is like probably shorter than me. All right. And so he probably doesn't feel like he's sexy or he's hot to other women because, you know, women, for some reason, we get wrapped around the axle with these tall men and that kind of thing. So here he is short and he's working at, I believe it's a footlocker. He was a freaking shoe salesman, you know, and his goal at that time was, you know, maybe he could become a manager, a district manager, you know, like that was his goal in life, you know? And I think that like a Nike sales rep came in and he'd be like, man, that's such a cool job. You know, that'd be so cool, you know, to working for Nike and now look at him, right? He was actually the very first comedian to ever sign a deal with Nike. Isn't that freaking cool? AF. Anyways, um, he, Kevin Hart worked his butt off to get where he is today. Got rejected in many different comedy centers. Famous comedians told him he didn't have what it took. And he was even not cast for Saturday Night Live. But everything happens for a reason, right? So all those things and all those rejections just made him stronger and persevere even harder. So thank you, Kevin Hart, for giving us a story of believing in yourself. Now we're going on to Jennifer Aniston. What I think is so incredibly crazy about her story is that her mom and her did not really have like the best relationship. Now I didn't read any of the books. This is stuff that I've heard about and read about as well. But what it is is that her she never felt good enough. She never felt pretty enough. You know, her mom was always a pretty one or whatever like that. And I just thought it was so crazy that she gets cast as Rachel Green on Friends, which is known for like being the pretty one and the stylish one and those kinds of things. Is that not crazy? And is that not a clear sign that it was like she's undergoing all these problems in her personal life about feeling beautiful and then she get, gets cast as one of the most, the, the pretty one, the attractive one, the one that's supposed to be the pretty attractive one and friends, you know, not the funny one, not the, you know, whatever kinds of ones. She gets cast at the role as the pretty girl. And I thought that was so incredibly crazy because I'm like, oh my God, that is such a life lesson for her right there to step up into her beauty. And then now, even now, with her age and things like that, she's doing tons of things, you know, to remain fit and also nutrition and to age well and those kinds of things. So I just think it's so crazy and so obvious that she is really teaching us uh, the story of feeling beautiful. And it's just such a clear cut story. I just had to tell you that one. It's a smally, small story, but a good one. All right. The next one is going to be Colonel Sanders, who gives us a story that everything happens for a reason. So Colonel Sanders was fired from lots of different kinds of jobs before he started cooking at a Shell service gas station, okay, when he was 40 years old, okay? And he didn't have a restaurant, but he served diners in his attached personal space, you know, little um house. And then over the next 10 years, he really got good at creating his chicken, and he created his own secret, secret recipe and stuff like that. However, what ended up happening was an interstate was coming through the town where his restaurant was and he was forced to close his business and retire like with like barely any money at all. And he had to live off a hundred and five dollars a month for his pension. And he was like, there's no way that I can actually, you know, live off of just $105 a freaking month. So he went to restaurant to restaurant to restaurant trying to get people to like buy his secret recipe. And he charged a nickel for every piece of chicken that they sold. And guess what? It was an instant success. No, it actually wasn't. Okay. He was rejected 
more than 1,000 times before finally finding a partner that would go into business with him. And he did a lot of this while sleeping in his freaking car. Now, the reason why that this is a story of everything happens for a reason is because if that interstate wouldn't have came right and wouldn't have been built and he wasn't forced outside of his comfort zone to do something like this then what would happen kfc would that even freaking exist you know and then would he have ever been went on to becoming as rich and as successful as he did probably not so that's something to think about is that when we are saying that things happen for you and not to you, it might not seem like it at the time. I bet you Colonel Sanders was like, oh my God, like this is not happening for me. I just lost everything. Well, this is inspiration that, okay, guess what? That door closed, but guess what? There's another even bigger, better door that freaking just opened. Thank you, Colonel Sanders. All right, next we're going on is to Trent Sheldon. I love me some Trent Sheldon. He is a football player turned motivational speaker. So his career was cut short and uh, in the football and he kind of got depressed. He kind of got really, really sad. And he started on YouTube doing um, shows called Rehab Time. And basically what he did was that he just shared his pain, his depression and everything else that he was going through. And then he just started getting more and more followers. And now he has like over 3 million followers on Instagram, probably a zillion on TikTok, all those things. And he is a great motivational speaker. I remember the first time that I heard him speak, it was like a Tony Robbins. Like I was like, oh my God, Trent Shelton, thank you so much, thank you so much. And so he actually teaches us the story of sharing your pain. So who cares if only five people are watching, six people are watching, no one's watching, right? Somebody might watch your video years later. You might help out that one person. And that's what Trent says even to this day. If you listen to his podcast, he's like, I'm not here to talk to millions. I'm here to talk to you. Um, and so I love that. He tries to make it his personal, even though he has his big giant, you know, following and stuff like that. He's still trying just to get through to you to let you know that you matter and that you know there is hope for you and just by sharing his pain his depression and everything else he was going through he was able to change like a lot of people's lives so thank you Trent for that for that all right, moving on now to Oprah. I know we've talked about Oprah before. We've heard her Rags of Riches story. We know about everything that she's been through in her life. My God, yes, we got that. But now, I'm not going to tell you that part. I'm going to talk about little baby part in her life. And that was her weight. So as you know, Oprah's weight has been going up and down like her whole entire life and those kinds of things. Um, we've seen it, you know, especially if you're older like me and that kind of thing. You know her story with her weight. Well... What ended up happening was she tried out for the color purple. And I guess that she wasn't hearing back from them and those kinds of things. And so she finally decided that she needed to give in and that she needed to change herself and she needed to lose her weight once and for all. So she went to what she calls a fat camp. And so she's on the track and she's running and she's just like, my God, like I got to change my life. I got to get thinner so I can get casted for these roles and everything. But then just in an instant, she just kind of just gave gave herself up to spirit, to God. And she just surrendered. And she was like, I'm no longer holding on tightly to everything. You know, she was like, your will be done. You know, so if I don't get this part, then I know that it's, you know, part of the plan. You know, I trust you, God. And I love that. I can almost like picture the moment of her standing there on the track, just completely surrendering and being like, it's your will be done. And I am going to just be myself and I can just go where I am led. And that's all I can do in my life. And 
And in that moment, she got a phone call from the directors of The Color Purple. And they were like, yes, we need you. We want you here right now. And don't lose one pound of fat. You're absolutely perfect the way you are. And so Oprah is teaching us the story of surrendering, you know, and things might just fall into your lap. Things may not. And if things don't, then you can go ahead, try to manifest it, take that inspired action, but then definitely surrendering it. When we hold on things too tightly, then we stop the energy movement and the energy needs to flow. So that's the reason why that we need to like have that excitement in our belly. We need to have it on our phones or whatever it is that we want to manifest and things like that, whatever we want. But at the same time, we need to be open for even bigger and better things if spirit wants to bring us something that's even more awesome. All right, we're moving on to Stephen King. And he is giving us the story of not giving up. So Stephen King was broke and he was living in a trailer with his wife and they were working different jobs and things like that. And Stephen King actually saved all of his rejection letters. And he would put them on this little hook. And by the time he was 14, he the nail in his wall could no longer support the weight of all the rejections that were on it. Isn't that crazy and he actually received more than 60 rejections before selling his first story the glass floor for $35 isn't that nuts thinking that Stephen King was rejected so much and then when he finally first sold his first piece it was only for $35 that just proves also that you gotta start somewhere gotta start somewhere and when Carrie the book came out it only sold 13,000 copies which was freaking nuts but then later on it got signed up again for $400,000. So, and then of course a movie deal out of it and all those kinds of things. So this is kind of proves to you that you should not give up and keep on going and whatever you think is the best, you know, like you made it, there's always another level to go. So just keep on going no matter what. We have tons of these stories of not giving up for celebrities that are all around us. And Stephen King is one of us that really does show that we should not give up period. Ever, 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 ever. All right. Another celebrity is Shonda Rhimes. So if you don't know her, she's the writer of Grey's Anatomy, you know, How to Get Away with Murder, also Bridgerton, and she stars Shondaland. Well, I read her book, A Year of Yes, where she goes ahead and she says yes to everything for a year. This is such an inspiring book because it seems really easy. You're like, oh yeah, I'll say yes to everything until you go to put it into practice. And then you are like, oh my God, I can't believe I said yes. Well, she did this to help herself get outside of her comfort zone. She knew that she was very introverted. And so she decided to say yes. And she said yes to a lot of, you know, interviews and cameos and all these other kinds of things that really also helped catapult her career way further than she had anticipated. And I absolutely love this because this is something that we need to do. We also need to say yes more often in our life, that we need to stop putting ourselves in a comfort, you know, get outside of our comfort zone is what we really need to do. And that's what Shonda was doing. She realized that she was too much in her comfort zone, doing the same thing day in, day out. And she was having trouble like telling people no and all those kinds of things. And that's the reason why that she decided to write a year of yes. And that's also to inspire us to overcome our little hiccups and our little quirks. Maybe we need to start saying yes too. get outside of our comfort zone. And I just love it. And that's a really good book. All right, so next up is going to be Rihanna. Rihanna is teaching us a story of money mindset. Now, it is no surprise when celebrities go broke, is it? 
it kind of is, it kind of isn't in a way. Well, Rihanna did the exact same thing, right? So she went ahead and I think like in 2007, she had $11 million. By the end of 2009, she only had $2 million in cash. She went ahead and sued her legal team, you know, a finance guy and things like that. And she ended up winning it. But when you talk to the finance guy, he was like, I don't understand this because she knew about her money the whole time. And she was just spreading it so frivolously, frivolously. And he literally had a quote and it says something like, did I really have to tell her that she'd be left with the stuff that she bought and not the actual money? So so nuts but this shows you about how important that your money mindset is because if you are not you know respecting money and being appreciative of money it doesn't matter how much that you get you are probably going to go broke again it still baffles baffles me to this day knowing that a majority of people who are you know lottery winners they lose it they lose all their money because they spend frivolously or whatever it is it's because their money mindset is following them around it's clear life lesson right here. And so Rihanna did that. Rihanna had a bad money mindset because here's the thing is she spent that money. She spent that money frivolously or whatever. Maybe she, it's okay. You can spend money that way. It's not about that because when you spend a lot of money going out, all you have to do is really remember that money is energy and you can go ahead and get that money right back. So it's when we get in our own head and we start stressing about money and things like that is when we get things twisted and it doesn't work out so well for a lot of us. But here's the thing, too, is that she attracted that tax guy. She attracted his energy. She attracted all of this in order to essentially go broke. But she also inspires us because she fixes her money mindset and she realizes that she needs to appreciate money. Money is, you know, like a friend, if you will, and it's a give and take relationship and all those kinds of things. And now apparently she's a billionaire. All right. So she went ahead. She worked on her money mindset and now she's a freaking billionaire. And I think that's amazing that she overcame all this and came out the other side very, very happy and more well off. All right, Bill Gates is up next, and he's teaching us the story of perfect timing. So Bill Gates, as you know, is the founder of Microsoft, and that's all fine and dandy, isn't it? That'd be great that, you know, he helped us, you know, create, you know, the Windows operating system and things like that that we use nowadays. But it's a story of perfect timing because back in the day when Bill Gates was creating Microsoft, it was a story of perfect timing because he was put at the location in the school that had computers when computers were really, really rare. Okay, not everybody did, but he was able to be in that school that provided him that opportunity. So some things are luck. Some things need to have perfect timing. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because it's not always about how hard you want to try and you know how much you're willing to do things it's also about looking around and seeing some of the opportunities that are available to you some of the supplies and things like that that you have around you because that could also be giving you a clue that it's your perfect timing to do something so just like bill gates had computers and he struck where the iron is hot maybe there's something around you where you need to like strike where the iron is hot and so this was one of his life lessons because it's like he went to the school it's like, oh, wow, here's a computer, which you, there's not many to come by. Maybe I should do something with this. I'm on to something here. And he did it. And now, bam, look at what happened with him. All right, we're going on to Jim Carrey now, which is a story of proving that you can do it. This might be a story that you heard before, but guess what? You can hear it again. So 
Jim Carrey grew up kind of rough a little bit, you know. He lost, uh, his dad lost his job. They hit rough times. Um, that's when um, he started working to help the family out after school. He worked at a factory and those kinds of things. And he ended up writing himself a check. Um, I believe it was when he was 16 years old. He wrote himself for $10 million. And in the note section, he put acting services rendered. Um, and he dated it for Thanksgiving of 1995. And just before that date, he hit his big payday with Dumb and Dumber. Um, and it was like, I don't even know how to say it. It was like so amazing to where it was manifesting in a way, but then also showing you like anything is possible. When he was 16 years old, do you ever think that he was like, oh yeah, for sure, you know, I'm going to make $10 million? Yeah, actually he did. That's the reason why he believed in it. And then he did it. And I absolutely love that because when you keep on going and you follow his life, like he really does keep on showing us that, you know, you can do anything. Like it, the sky is the limit. You can keep on going. You can keep on fighting. And I wouldn't say fighting because fighting applies that you have this bad energy going back and forth with you, but you can keep on going up different levels and different levels and different levels. And I thought that was a great one. Um, to share with you. He actually put that check. Um, he kept it in his wallet the whole time. Um, and he put it in his dad's casket. So I thought that was freaking crazy that when his dad died, he buried it with his dad. All right. So I got two more. The last one is going to be really amazing, but this one here is Eminem and Eminem is showing us the story of owning who you are. So no other thing needs to to be said with Eminem. So if you watch a movie Eight Mile, you know that when he raps, he raps about all of his insecurities or, you know, he's the white boy, he is whatever, you know, and he wins that rap battle. It's like he just took everything that he knew that he was, like all the faults that he had, all of the issues and things like that, and he got a hold of them first. He's like, I recognize this. I know this about myself. I know I am this way. And he rapped that out, giving the other person like nothing else to really say because it's like, how can you reach? retaliate against somebody who's you know already knows everything that's wrong with them and that's why I love about Eminem's thing and he keeps on doing it all throughout his songs and throughout his life and then he's like this is who I am 100% this is it you know he knows that he's not perfect he knows that he does SHIT wrong you know and he's just like raw almost he's like this is who I am and I love that he teaches that for us to be who we are because once we own who we are we become our authentic unique self and that goes ahead um and opens up more doors for him all right the very last one is Matthew Perry. So Matthew Perry played Chandler on Friends. So heartbroken over his passing. But he's teaching us a story of fulfilling your life purpose. And I read his book and I loved him. I'm a huge Friends fan. But I was like, oh my God, it's so crazy that he passed right after reading this book. I just thought that was so crazy. And to me, it showed that he completed his life purpose. And so he wrote this book. It's called um, like the big fat terrible thing is what I think it's called. Um, and he, in it, he talks about his addiction to drugs and alcohol and everything. And I remember thinking even while reading it, like, wow, if there is somebody out there who is addicted um, to smoking drugs, alcohol, 
any kind of addiction, this book is so good to give you like hope to let you know that, you know, there is somebody else who has felt the same way as you. And I absolutely loved this book. And I feel like it's going to help out so many people. And it's not your traditional, you know, celebrity memoir. It's like he goes into those dark places. And I'm really happy that he does because I think it makes it really relatable to people. And then when he passed, I was like, oh my God, that book was his life purpose. Like he needed to write that. And I'm just so incredibly shocked that it's as clear to me as it is, as it is. And I'm not saying that once you write a book and that's your life purpose and you're going to pass away. No, but it's like, wow, he needed to write that book. He survived all the drugs and alcohol abuse and everything else like that his whole life until bam, like he wrote this book and he gave this gift to the world. And that is when he transitioned to the other side. I don't know about you, but to me, I feel like that could be a, like a sign. And when you look at a lot of other people's like passings and how they transition and stuff like that, it kind of like fits them. And it just, the timing of this kind of fits like he needed to write that book to help all the other people. And then it was almost like, Hey, are you ready to go? You know, you've been through a lot in your life and you know, Matt might've been like, yeah, I think I'm ready. I think I did the world good. I, I did this and I think he's going to continue to help out a lot more people. Um, even after he passed. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that it gave you some things to think about. I think that you um, can look at your own life and just kind of see some of the life lessons that are playing out for you or from people around you. All right. I love you and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Spiritual AF Life podcast. You'll find all the links to resources and more in the show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on the incredible episodes that are coming up.